Welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Main, awesome wife and dog mom for life. I'm a sex therapist turned sex coach, and I run a successful business selling relationship enhancement products. I absolutely love talking about all things sex. So you can expect this podcast to explore all things related to women's sexual health because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you discover and embrace what brings you pleasure so that you can own your sexual self. If that sounds good to you, then keep listening and let's fucking do this. Elise, welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self podcast. I am so pumped to have you all the way from Mexico, I just learned. That is amazing. Thank you again for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. Super happy to be here. Yes, me too. And I don't know how I found you on Instagram. This is most of my guests. I'm like the wonderful world of Instagram. Some, you know, I go down these rabbit holes late at night on my phone when I'm laying in bed, but then I come across these amazing people uh, like yourself. And immediately I was attracted to your content because you do a lot of reels and I just consume that information so easily because it's just short little bits of information. So we'll make sure to plug your Instagram throughout this episode too, so people can go back and find you. But in, in whole, you are a men's mental health coach. So tell us like how how did you get started in this type of work? Absolutely. So yes, as you said, I'm a men's mental health coach and I originally started off trying to be a woman's coach, but I was posting video content on LinkedIn when I first started my business and only men reached out to me. So I really saw that there was this gap of support for men when it came to mental health. And once I saw that I just decided to kind of throw the doors open and create a space where they could feel safe to talk about their issues, their problems. And after I've been doing this for almost three years now, so after years of working solely with men and studying exactly kind of the struggles that they go through and the way that they process things, I've really developed a system now to to be a support system for them. So I really love it. Yeah, absolutely. And so when, when men first started reaching out to you, what were the, what were the common things that they were coming to you and asking? In the beginning, my content was not as targeted as it is now. I was just trying to figure out my niche. So I talked a lot about more broad motivational slash self-reflection things. Like I would talk about, if you feel stuck, this is kind of what's going on with you. So I might have men reach out to me. Like, I really resonated with this piece of content. This is what I'm going through. This is what I feel stuck with. And as I continued to get people to reach out to me and continued strategizing my content, the main men that I get are usually in their late 30s, mid 40s, after they've kind of already had a family, a career, some small children, and they're really just starting to wake up to who they are. Mm. So they're kind of having, I guess what most people would say is a midlife crisis, but I like to call it like a an awakening of sorts, because a lot of us go through this hamster wheel phase where we just kind of do what society tells us. And then we get to a point where that's no longer working for us. It's no longer working for us to reach our potential, our passion, our purpose. So I get a lot of men reaching out to me, wanting to really see who they are for the first time. Mm, Gosh, that just like hits me right in in the heart. That is so tender and so, so compassionate that you get to help these men through these things. And yeah, I I do men's work a little bit myself within the sexual space. And I can, I wholeheartedly relate to what, with what you're saying, like these men that are coming, they just, it is, it's like that wake up moment in life. And um, interesting that you see it in about the like mid thirties, because I've had men in early twenties coming, then I've had men, you know, reaching in their almost fifties. And so it's so 
interesting, but to look at the patterns, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but to look at their family patterns and how they were raised in the society and the culture and the religion, all of that that took place in their household growing up, um, it makes sense. And to be able to shed that light for them, right? And see like, oh, this is why I might operate like this. Would would you agree? Like, I'm sure you do that work, right? Looking in the family systems. Absolutely. Because when you're a baby, you have no idea how the world works. And we rely on our caregivers to show us how do we become validated? How do we get success? How do we gain love, affection, attention? And the brain is such an efficient machine that it just soaks all this information up, creates a template, and it doesn't deviate from the template as long as it's letting you survive. Mm. So a lot of us are walking around as adults with childlike adaptations. And then we wonder, why am I like this? And we shame ourselves because our adult brain thinks logically, but our child brain only thinks in the ego. Everything is my fault. Everything is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So unless you can accept that whether you had, let's say, a dysfunctional childhood or not, that everything was created in childhood, you're not going to be able to change things because you're not addressing the root cause of it. Mm, yeah. Oh, gosh. And in to this shows up a little bit, again, in the sexual space with how men specifically operate with with sex, right? Like how they're initiating sex with their partners, how they're how they get upset when they face things like rejection or avoidant partners, like things like that. And I know I know you've talked about this on your on your Instagram as well, because it all it all stems back to attachment styles for the most part, right? So can you can you explain to us a little bit about what I don't think I've ever talked about attachment styles on this podcast, so this will be a first. So can you give us just a little rundown on each of those? Yeah, so I'm going to also just preface this by saying I'm not an attachment styles expert, mm -hmm. although I do address attachment styles in my coaching. But essentially, there's about four different attachment styles. Secure attachment, which is where we feel safe to go out into the world and explore new things. And we know that we have a secure base to come back to, right? We feel safe to go explore things. And the whole reason attachment styles are created just for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, it was done as like a child experiment where they would take children's parents away from them in a, in a study and see how they responded. So if a child knew that the parent was going to come back, which essentially means that a parent met your needs as a child, they felt safe enough to play and come back. They trusted that their parent was going to come back. There's anxious attachment style where you don't trust that your parent is going to come back because the parent has displayed inadequate amounts of support for you, mm. right? Emotionally, mentally, physically, um, you know, you just don't know when you're going to get affection, love, attention, et cetera. So the child will become very anxious, distracted if the parent leaves. They're, they're wanting to cling on. They're wanting to attach to the parent. Then there's avoidant, which is where the parent is usually absent. They're not emotionally present. They're not physically present. So the child is almost void of responding to if the parent leaves or not because they don't know how to process that emotion and they don't they don't allow so a lot of men struggle with this because society has shamed them from feeling emotions from feeling vulnerability and then there's disorganized attachment style which is basically anxious and avoiding mm -hmm. at the same time which is actually something that i've personally struggled with mm -hmm. which is where you push people away push people away because you don't want them to get close but the second that you let someone get close you attach to them and become very anxious that they're going to leave you mm -hmm. So there's a lot of confusion and you might exhibit little bits of different ones. It's not like you're going to be fully one or fully another. Um, but yeah, this also does affect the sex life of people. I think I totally digressed from the original question. So sorry about that. But <laughs> no, that's, that's just okay. to explain it to and styles and yeah. for anyone listening. 
Yeah, and that's great. I think that people listening, having just that basic understanding of where it came from and what it is, is is super helpful. And then traditionally, you know, with attachment styles, you have different attachment styles based on the people that you have relationships in in your life. So your style with your dad might be different than it is with your husband or your mom and whatnot. But generally, what I found in, in this work is that there is a main theme with that style and just how you operate and respond to other people's actions. Um, and so if, if you think about, so men coming to do this work, can you tell me some common things that come up for men that let's say if they had, if they didn't have this, like a strong father figure in their life, if they didn't have a dad present or dad even was like working a lot. And so they didn't really have that. So they, most of the time were spent with mom, how might that show up in their now adult relationships? So there's never a one size fits all, but that actually is a common theme with a lot of my clients where just not a present father or a very emotive father and spending a lot of time with mom. And usually if a person has a father or mother wound, they're going to have a different parent wound as well Mm -hmm. because one doesn't go without the other. Right. So men who have an absence of a father, they'll, they'll do one of two things. They'll either grow up to kind of be, I don't want to say like a, they they grow up to be like the nice guy to women because they only had their mom. And as awesome as the mom can be, she cannot also be a father. So she has to take on both the nurturer and the disciplinarian, which can confuse the man, the child about who he is as a man and who he should be as like a lover versus, versus to, to a mom, Mm. because she's now subconsciously having him become the man of the house, which you know, it just, it really blurs the lines between what is a child's responsibilities and roles versus what is a husband's responsibilities and roles versus what is a son's responsibilities and roles, Mm. because parents will also treat sons and daughters differently. And so men with that situation might grow up really trying to people please women, not asking for their needs, not setting strong boundaries, not really having a clear purpose, passion, or goal, or you know, depending on the relationship they did have with their father, if they're very angry or bitter, um, they will grow up trying to be so super successful and develop the avoidant attachment style where they do not allow any women to come close to them or men. And it's just kind of like using work as a validation tool to supplement the emotional validation that they never got. Mm, Yeah. And would you say that it's the same if, if it's reversed, like if, if, mom wasn't present and they were primarily with dad growing up. Do you think that it's a similar theme or how does that look any different? It is, it is a similar thing specifically because men are taught in society to just shove all of their emotions down. Mm-hmm. So you have generations of men who don't feel. And then if that's the only example that you have as a parent raising you and he's not being emotive, right. And you don't have a mother figure, you're just going to adopt that. You know, whether how your dad could be a great dad, but if he's not vulnerable with you, if he doesn't express love or care or concern, how are you going to be able to identify that that's safe from someone else? Because Mm -hmm. that emotionlessness is all you've ever known. So you are going to avoid strong emotions, which is what a lot of women are (laughs) very powerful, emotional beings, right? You're going to avoid that like the plague. So you will attract usually another emotionalist or masculine female type who, and this is usually where like toxic relationships kind of get in the mix because you're not feeling like you're standing in your power or you're just pushing every woman away and kind of taking on the, 
the typical kind of like playboy mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. Gosh, so many aha moments already. We're only like 10 minutes in. So <laughs> this is so wonderful. I mean, like I said, this isn't like straight science facts. I don't want anyone to latch on to this and be like, oh my God, this was me and I'm not like this. Or, oh my God, this is me and, and I and I am like this and there's something wrong with me. You know, I don't want to make problems out of not oh, problems. Yeah. But these yeah. are just some patterns that we see in coaching or in therapy. And you can really just start to understand your own situation better by observing the patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, personally, when going through therapy, I was experiencing, you know, anxiousness mid mid 20s, 30s, really up until recent. And I remember going to therapy for the first time. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm anxious, right? And so you start to dig deep. And it's like, well, no fucking wonder, Rachel, like you've experienced this trauma and this trauma. And I never looked at these things that were com- coming up for me as traumas you know it was just that was my life like that's just what happened um and I have a master's degree in social work for crying out loud like you would think that I would have recognized that within myself you know going through education and stuff so anyways (laughs) Um, I love that you said that though because so many of us just see the lives that we grew up with as normal because that's what we're used to but just because it's normal doesn't mean it's right yeah and I think that's what a lot of us need to understand is just because you're used to it just because it's normal doesn't mean it's not valid to look back at it and say this wasn't right because I went through the same experience Up until I was like 25. I was like, it wasn't that bad. It was great. I had a great childhood. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized and I was like, oh my God, some of this stuff really wasn't normal. Yeah. It really kind of <laughs> fucked me up. And now here I am almost 30 and you're like, I got to unprocess all of this. And it's hard. It can be really, really hard. But uh, once you do it, you feel, you feel so much better because you, you're awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can switch just a bit, but you talked about helping men find their purpose, like find their why essentially. And there's a lot of men that this comes up that that I asked this question to or similar question of this. And it's a lot of times their why is for their partner, right? Like they're showing like kind of it with this yes, yes man uh, sort of mentality, right? Their why, their purpose is for somebody else. And I can tell by your reaction that you also don't so much agree with this. Right? We need purpose for ourselves, not for others in, in our life. So how would how would a man essentially know that their purpose, one, that they had a purpose, and two, that their purpose was really aligned with them? Absolutely. So I love that you brought that up because no one wants the burden of being someone's why mm-hmm. because they did not ask for that. And you are so precariously placing your happiness, your success, dependent on another human being, which is the most unpredictable source in the universe, (laughs) right? So like, why would you do that to yourself, first of all? And why would you do that to your partner? So if you are, I think it's just an easy cop-out for people. And it's usually something that stems from childhood that they've seen, like, oh, your family should be your why, should be a reason. It can be a component of your why. It can be a support system of your why. But your why, your purpose has to come internally, not externally, Mm. which means it can change and it can grow and it can smallen without that having an impact on how you feel about yourself and your happiness and your success, because you have the power, like you are in charge at that point. The second that you place your purpose on an external thing, getting done or succeeding, you've given away your power. Mm. So the whole pathway to helping men find their purpose and their passion is essentially just igniting in them that it doesn't matter about the thing that we land on. It matters about focusing on you, on giving you the internal power 
to give purpose to whatever you're doing in your life mm. and know that you have that control. So giving them back their internal locus of control um, and then they can do anything. Yeah. Can you give an example of maybe a previous client or current client or, or friend even? Um, can you give an example of a purpose of somebody's that you've that you've heard in the past? Yeah. So the the purpose is more of an energy as opposed to like a mission statement. But I'll give a couple examples. So I had this one older client come in. He was like in his sixties, and in his first session, his first couple of sessions, he was like, you know, just had this feeling of of sadness and like he'd like given up he had this business was worth like four million dollars with a partner and he's like yeah I don't know I don't really know how much longer I want to be doing this I don't really want to start something new because you know like I'm getting old and you can't really teach an old dog new tricks and like you know just this overall sense of like I've given up mm. and <laughs> I'm a pretty tough coach I don't really care who I'm talking to so like obviously this man is like quite a bit older than me quite a bit more successful and you know, when you point that out to them and start to guide them down this path, he ended up creating an entirely new business along with this one valued at adding another 5 million onto it. And like the reason why we lack sometimes the purpose is not because of what we're doing. It's because of what we're not doing. We're not giving ourselves joy back. We're not filling our cup. We're just pouring from an empty cup. And it's all about the thoughts and perspectives that we have about ourselves and about life. And so his narrative was, I'm getting too old. I'm giving up. I'm going to die soon. Like these are my last years. And by implementing doing things that he loved again, changing the narrative in his head, he created a new purpose just by doing something else, hmm. adding more to his day. And he's feeling better than he ever was simply because he, he changed the narrative and the perspective. Hmm. I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but no, that's, I mean, that's such a great tool for, if, if anything, right? Like the words you use matter and the way that you talk about yourself matters. So as you said, that, that was, that was a story that he created about himself and that he was telling himself that this is it, I'm done. What, like, woe is me sort of mentality, right? What am I going to do now? And luckily he found you. And I love when you said you're a tough coach. I was like, yes, I can relate to that. <laughs> Well, and the funny, it's just really funny because I feel like your most resistant clients always become your best clients because he even told me in the first sessions, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at you, this like young girl. And I'm kind of thinking like, how is she going to help me? You know, it's like, I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's, let's figure it out together. Mm. Um, you know, so it's just really, it's really kind of enjoyable for me at some points to like, I don't know if I can help everyone, but I do my best and I take them through the process that I've built over the years and everybody sees a result if they're willing to put in the work. Mm, keywords, right? If they're willing to put in the work, if they're willing to see see it for something different. Because what I find in this work is that a lot of men, I mean, people in general, but a lot of men, they have so much resistance to this, this type of work, right? And of course, right? Again, if we go back to how you were conditioned, of course, you're not, you weren't taught to share your emotions and cry in front of your partner and share vulnerably, you know, and I was just having this conversation with a client recently. He's like, where, where are you getting this from? Like, where, where are you getting this concept that women don't want to nag? Because this is all I've ever seen women do in my entire life. And I'm like, you know, you're right. But again, we have to go back to where, how, how we were raised, how, how we were taught to share emotion. And so if you didn't receive that, if you look at your dad, your uncle, your grandpa, even right. When, when were you ever taught to do something different than you are doing now? And 
yeah, it's luckily again that we have, I, I do feel, and I wonder if you agree that there is a shift in this movement, like mental health awareness in general, um, you know, really, really the society shining a light on the, on this and sharing with us that mental health does matter. And I hope that that's opening up a door for a lot more men to be able to want to do this work and to see that there is a need for this work within them. Absolutely. There's definitely a door opening and, and definitely for men, there's a lot of men's coaches popping up and there's a lot of movement for men. So it's really great because three quarters of all suicides are men. Mm. So we definitely need things to change. Mm -hmm. Not like we want more women's suicides, but we want just less suicides in general. Yeah. Um, and for people to know that they have the ability to have a better life. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you have sort of this protocol that you've built over the years. Are you able to share just a bit about what exactly that looks like? So somebody that was wanting to do this work with you, you know, in, in general, what would that look like for them? Yeah, of course. So every first encounter that I have with someone is I ask them, you know, like essentially why you're here, like what's going wrong in your life? Tell me all the problems. Hmm. And then we kind of reverse engineer, okay, where did, well, first of all, tell me all the problems and then tell me the end goal, right? Like if you had a magic wand, what would your life look like? And then we reverse engineer. Okay. I'm going to bring you back to the root cause so that you understand why your beliefs are what they are. Your beliefs inspire your actions. Your actions are how you show up in the world. It's how people perceive you. It's how you perceive yourself, right? This is, so we fix, it's like such a stupid, easy process, right? Mm -hmm. We fix the beliefs, the actions and behaviors, and then your entire life changes. It's a lot. It's like, it's like so stupid, simple. Um, but a lot of people will, will pin things on like, okay, I have, you know, an alcohol addiction or I'm not connecting with my spouse or my boss is a dick or I can't hold a job. And like, those are all symptoms of the problem. They're not actually the problems, mm. but Western society just treats the freaking symptoms all the time. And so you wonder why a new symptom crops up every year or every other year, you're still not connected to your spouse. And it's because you haven't changed the internal system. So I help men understand themselves on a mental and physiological level because I'm trauma therapy informed. So um, noting that your body has a physiological response, also defense mechanisms, learning how to understand that, learning how to get in touch with your own vulnerability, learning how to adjust yourself when you're, um, you know, understanding your own traumas and all these little behavior changes inside of yourself creates better relationships with parents, with spouses at work. Um, because it also just takes away the limiting beliefs. Mm. Right. It's kind of like a six birds with one stone. <laughs> I love that. And then essentially you get down to after they can kind of like hash through all of those things, then they find their their purpose in life, like what they're working towards. Right. Their essential why they are living and a breathing human. Right. Well, they have all the foundations for just being happy. Mm -hmm. Right. For knowing that they can take on whatever challenges come their way for knowing that they have the tools to create better relationships, to go after careers that they want. Like I said, when people come to me, they want to find purpose and passion or they want to heal the relationship with their spouse. They're looking at healing something that is just a symptom. Mm. And in coaching, we fix just so much more than that without even focusing on it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know. I was just having a chat with a colleague recently. I'm like, very little of the coaching, I, you know, I'm a sex coach. I'm like, but very little of the coaching that I actually do is about sex. Because there's so many other pieces to the puzzle that, that when we work on those, then the sex just happens, right? It's better. Right, right. Fascinating. 
And so with people that you've worked with that are primarily in relationships, what would you say are the biggest impacts that they've seen that the men have seen when they're more able to um, embrace like that masculine side of themselves? Absolutely. So this is excellent. It goes back to the one you said, um, they make their partner their why. Mm. So when you make your partner your, your why, you lose your sense of self. And then you stop being an individual, which is like not interesting to someone else, right? And I'm not saying you have to do all this stuff to be interesting to the person. It's like when you live your best, most optimal life, you are in a perfect alignment with your partner because you have something to come back to, something to share, but you're not relying on them, right? To make you happy, to make you feel successful. You, you support each other, but you're not making them your whole world. So the success comes from when they actually step back from the relationship, right? Relationships are like a circle, but if you're taking up all the space in the circle, you don't allow the other person to come in and show any affection or love or attention. Um, and so when you take a step back and actually do your own things, it allows room for the other person to step forward, mm. to join you in a union, as opposed to you subconsciously trying to control the narrative because you're afraid or anxious that they won't love you or that they'll leave you. Yeah. And I, I relate to this so much, you know, from the female perspective, like also taking that step back, stepping out of your masculine, right, to allow your male partner to step into their masculine and for you to be more in your feminine. Um, I think that that goes, especially for, you know, women like myself, like high functioning entrepreneurs, you know, quote unquote boss babe sort of mentality, like we get shit done, right? But when you're constantly getting shit done, that makes no room for your partners to also get shit done and to, you know, be be who they're wanting to be. So I don't necessarily agree with that, though, actually. Yeah, I love it. Tell me. Well, because there is this whole narrative that like, because females are becoming so empowered, they're like becoming overly masculine, and men don't have any space. But I think that just underestimates the capabilities of men to step up. Mm. and gives them an excuse not to rise. Mm -hmm. um, being a boss and an entrepreneur is not a masculine trait. It's a survival instinct. And women are just in survival mode mm. because they feel the need to be independent and take care of themselves. That's a trauma response mm -hmm. from having to rely on, on men for so long. The system set it up so that women were not empowered. And now it's like the great pendulum swing. So now we're going to take all of the power that we possibly can because we're so afraid if we relax or if we take a step down for one second, it's all going to be taken from us. Mm. That's not a masculine response. That's a, that's a trauma response. Mm -hmm. But you can still be in an empowered state and be feminine. That depends on your energy. Yeah. So how sensual are you? How willing are you to relax and be creative and allow someone to take care of you? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between running a business and allowing someone to take care of you, right? Yeah. And being okay with someone taking care of you. Because for me also, I, I put this as like, oh, I have a lot of masculine energy and whatever, but like, it is a survival mechanism for me because I've had to take care of myself since I was little. Um, and I was ashamed. I was like, I don't need no man to take care of me. <laughs> I pay my own bills. I'm like, what can a man actually offer me? You know? Um, because I've got it all. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing is that we do need other people. We're humans and we're pack animals. And one day I said, you know, I think I actually do want someone to take care of me. I don't want to stop working. I don't mm -hmm. want to stop living in my zone of genius. But like, what if I just said, I do want someone to take care of me? 
Um, and so I told you before we got on the call that I kind of am in love with someone. And I just told them this one day. <laughs> I was nervous. I was nervous though because I was like, I'm not about to split bills and all this crap. Like, I just don't want to do it living in the States. Um, and I told them, I was like, what about if I'm just a trophy wife? And they're like, you can't be a trophy wife. Like, you're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I think I want to be taken care of. Aww. And they were just like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, uh, men want to step up and they want to provide because they're not out hunting lines anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not about like, Oh, he needs to make all the money. He needs to pay for everything for me. It's just about giving them, like you said, the control back, the ability to lead back saying that, Hey, like I do need you. And actually I have confidence in you to step in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to kind of jump in for that because I don't want any women to think, Oh, I have to give up all that I've worked for so that I can allow a man to be masculine. Cause that's what my ex kind of told me essentially I should have done at the end of our relationship kind of blame me for him not stepping in his masculine but we just weren't a good match and Mm -hmm. it's not my fault that you couldn't step in your masculine Mm -hmm. you know like you just need to find your match and your match will allow you to shine as brightly as possible and support you in doing so yeah yeah absolutely and thank you yeah so much for sharing that because that that I think just gave us so much more insight around it and I think that you're exactly right it is a trauma response and as I was sharing I know I was you know speaking for myself personally I know exactly the trauma that this stemmed from right the 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 need to do it all and be it all and success and all of that make people proud around me um and I also see that side of what you were saying of like allowing and being okay with somebody taking care of you and I think there's such a happy balance between those two of those things you know again like personally I can do all of my thing all of my work and then at the end of the day allow for my husband to to hold me and to ask how my day was and to run a bath for me and make dinner and do all those things you know um yeah I just I think there's so much beauty behind that and the shared responsibilities with each other yeah absolutely Hmm. and um I just think it's interesting how you can relate. Well, cool. Is there anything else um, that you were hoping to share on this podcast in relation to men's mental health that I haven't asked about yet that you think is worth mentioning? Well, I'll just say that for any men who are listening, know that it's okay to be vulnerable, that being vulnerable does not make you any less of a man, but actually enhances your ability to be a man. And so many men desire what you desire. They want camaraderie with other men. They're just afraid, just like you are, to be the first one to step up. Mm. And so if you are the first one to make a move, you might find that you have like a closer brotherhood than ever before. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And is that something that you see with the men that you work with that oftentimes when they are the one that steps up to do this type of work, that those around them are stepping up as well to do similar things? They're, they're much more receptive in their relationships. Mm. Um, but sometimes it just awakens their knowledge that they're not surrounding themselves with the right friend groups. Mm-hmm. Because if you've been wearing a mask your whole life and just been kind of doing surface level talking, you're going to have surface level people in your life. Mm-hmm. And those are friendships that you might need to let go in order to create space for new ones to arrive. Mm. Gosh, one more time for the people in the back. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so good. Uh, well, Elise, thank you again so much for coming on. How can people find you through social and learn more about the work that you do and engage in so many of your amazing reels? <laughs> I am basically anywhere on social media. If you type in Elise Michaels, M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S, it's a little bit funky, my <laughs> heels. 
you type in Mike Michaels, the normal way up, old lady will probably come up, but I'm <laughs> everywhere. LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, website. You can contact me on anything. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link all of those in the show notes for anybody that's listening and want easy clickable links to Elise. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was wonderful. And hopefully maybe we can have you back on in the future for some other fun conversations because this was really, really great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a thing. And if you loved it so fucking much, be sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see you next week. And until then, keep owning your sexual self.